You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, Are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts, and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me, growing up Broadway. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome to the Little Me Podcast. Today, I'm so thrilled to chat with my buddy, Marissa O'Donnell. Marissa starred in the 30th anniversary Broadway tour in Madison Square Garden production of Annie and created the role of Teen Fiona in Shrek, the Broadway musical, as well as the live filmed TV version. Um, And probably her biggest credit is playing Ariel in my production of (laughs) (laughs) The Little Mermaid at Broadway Workshop. See, look, we're already laughing. I'm so excited to have you with me today. Welcome, Marissa O'Donnell. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Mark. It's so good to hear your voice. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. And I can't wait to chat with you about your career and your life and everything you've done and everything you're going to do. You've been such a, since I first met you, such a spectacular shining star. And I love everything you do. And I'm thrilled that you're here. I feel the same about you. Oh, thank you. I'll take that all the way to the bank. Um, So, Marissa, we're in like the 10th week of quarantine here in New York, or more than that, I've given up. How are you doing, and where are you, and what's happening? Honestly, I'm good. (laughs) Every day is different. I'm with my parents. Um, They live in this, you know, little beach town um, where they retired, and so I have no complaints. You know, I'm healthy, and... um, that's all that really matters. But, you know, just trying to keep as busy as possible. What about you? Oh, my God. It is. Uh, it's a challenge. We go, you know, like it's like one day a week where I'm like, I can't take this anymore. But in general, we're OK. And Broadway Workshop's busy as ever. And we've moved a lot of things to online platforms. And so it's just been technically really interesting to figure out how that works. But, you know, we're getting through it and we're getting to work with so many kids from around the world because they're able to sign up for workshops where they would never be able to come to New York. So we have like people from like Istanbul and like people from like like Portugal, like doing musical theater masterclasses on a Sunday morning. It's very 
kind of wild and exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you changing the game. We're changing the game. So we always kind of start off talking about things that we're currently obsessed with. So hit me. What is getting you through? What are your obsessions? Tell me. Okay. Well, uh, what, what do we want to talk about TV books because I, I, I I'm going to talk about TV anything. because I'm not a reader but you can talk about anything you want well I I have watched probably every show that there is to watch at this point but my favorite I hope you've watched it is dead to me yes finished it two days ago yeah I finished well I first finished season one like in one day last year when it came out and then I finished it this this it just came out on Netflix again and it's watched it so from, like yeah, from it, till late, late in the evening. It's amazing. I love it. I think what Christina else? Applegate is so fantastic. I've always been quite obsessed with her, but just that sort of rawness and like how she doesn't really have makeup on and she's like a nightmare, <laughs> but you still love her. It's totally. a really interesting uh, portrayal of a character and it's so fun to watch. I wasn't obsessed with her until now, but now I very much am. Yeah, go back. Have you ever seen Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? No. Okay, so stop. Just like hang up this phone call and get to it. It's like the movie of my childhood um, where she is uh, like the older sister in a family and they have a babysitter while their parents go on vacation and the babysitter dies within like 10 minutes of being in the house just of like natural causes and they like hide the body and they have the month of their lives while their parents are away. It is the greatest (laughs) 80s film, like early 90s film that ever existed. So Who check that out. these things? Like, why can't an idea like that come to me? That's I mean, genius. well, let's start working on it after this. Um, my current, this week's obsession is a TV show called Sex Education on Netflix. Have you watched that? I have not. Get into it. It is so charming. Um, it's also British and I'm also obsessed with everything British because I think I'm like, was secretly like born in London at a different time or something, but it's so good. Uh, get on it. Netflix, sex education. British show, I mean, uh, Irish shows. Mm-hmm. Like I love normal people that just came out. Um, yeah, read the book first. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Normal reader. people. Yes. Yeah. It's by Sally Rooney, the book. Um, it's amazing and Irish and um, Dairy Girls, which I think you'd be oh, obsessed with if you haven't watched it. Obsessed with Dairy Girls. Um, it's fantastic. Give it. A I watch. put on subtitles because I can't. You can't understand, understand what the word they're saying. Yes, that's correct. It's really um, rough. Okay, so before all of these great Scottish British shows and things, um, <laughs> let's go back to how you got started in the business. You've had a really exciting career as a young performer, but how did that start for you? Well, honestly, I didn't, I wasn't one of those kids who was playing soccer and doing the extracurriculars. And my mom was like, um, you have to do something with your life. So she ended up putting me into a kid's production of uh, Peter Pan. And I remember auditioning and I got cast as the very inappropriate role as um, one of the Native Americans. Great. Um, (laughs) Sounds right. Yeah. And I was sitting backstage and the little little brat that I was, um, I remember sitting back there for most of the show, I did not have a large role, and looking out on the people on on stage and, and thinking, wait a second. I was like, I can... I can sing, but I can sing better. And I was so, I was so eager to just keep pushing along and um, get a bigger role, um, no matter what. 
So that's kind of how it all started. It was that that fire under me that was just like, I want to do this more and more and more. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. You started out at Random Farms in Westchester with our buddy Anya Wallach, right? Yeah. And that was before Annie, before any of that? Yeah. Um, Peter Pan wasn't with her, but she was, she really was the first person who made me feel like maybe I had a chance and that changed and shaped my whole, um, experience as a performer. I did, um, a a production of Alice in Wonderland with her. And I remember (laughs) my mom saying, okay, Marissa, like you did the audition, like you know, she, she said, don't get your, don't get your hopes up. You're probably just going to get the dormouse or something. <laughs> Classic Pat. Um, <laughs> just keeping it real with me. Keeping it real. And then I ended up, Anya gave me the Queen of Hearts. And it was a speaking role with a song. And from there, that pretty much just changed everything because I really believed I could do it because she believed in me. Oh, so. I love that. Um, when was the Annie, when, so Annie was your first big job. Yeah. Or did you book something before that? Yes, that was, that was pretty much the, the first big thing that I booked. Um, was that an open call? How did that audition come up? I didn't have a, I didn't have an agent or anything at that point. Um, this was back when we didn't really still have the internet. So, um, my mom saw it in a newspaper and she said, Marissa, do you want to go to this? And at first I was hesitant because I said, what are the chances of this, you know? And then I went and it was pouring rain and 500 girls waiting out in the rain to get into Chelsea Studios, which I don't even know if that exists anymore. I mean, nothing exists anymore, but... Um, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. Um, and yeah, it was a two-day process and I kept inching closer and closer and closer. And I was like, this is random. Okay, sure. And by the last day I was in the room with just a few other girls reading for the role of Annie. And I was like, this is, this could be a reality. And I remember them walking in when it had been cut down from like 500 girls to like 50 for just the orphans. And then being like, and it was Bob Klein, I think. And he walked in and he said, okay, like you're strongly being considered if you're, if you don't want your child or your child doesn't want to go on the road with the national tour of Annie, now's your time to leave. And some people left. <laughs> like fools. they were fools. They were not ready to make the commitment or they didn't want their kid to be tutored, whatever it was. Yeah. They made the executive decision as parents. But I stayed. My mom let me live my dream. And um, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Who told you that you got it? I don't remember. I think I, I don't. I really. Someone called my mom, and then she it didn't like happen the in the room me. dramatically. Like you're our Annie, pack your bags. No, definitely not. <laughs> but I made it dramatic by like pretending to faint. Like when I got the call, you know, just had to. I, just, I had to add the dramatics. Now this wasn't like a podunk non-equity tour. This was like the Broadway 30th anniversary, directed by Martin Charnin, like production. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I had to, you know at 11 years old, go to all the equity meetings and get my equity card and pick an equity deputy or what have you. (laughs) You're like, I choose that woman. Um, So you guys toured the country and then Madison Square Garden was the end of it or was that just part of the tour? How did that come together? That happened on the second uh, year of the tour. We were doing really well with the tour and the second year was rolling around and I wasn't even really sure if I was going to do it. But they said, listen, we really want you to do MSG. 
and I ended up signing up for the second leg of the tour. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. Um, Talk to me about touring that first year when it started, you know, that that sort of machine of being the star of a musical, you know, there's only a handful of shows where like someone on the age of like 12 is the lead. Right. So to have that sort of pressure of being in a national tour where you're going from city to city and you're the star, talk to us about what that uh, change was for you to go from normal girl doing the children's theater to headlining a Broadway national tour. It was honestly a blur, but at the same time, I think it is the best time to do it. You are young. Your voice is in perfect condition. You aren't allowed to go to bars. You um, Ideally. <laughs> ideally. Um, you have so much energy because you're just filled with it at that age. I mean, it was, it was the best time, in my opinion, to possibly do it. Um, and how were the other kids on that tour um, that first year? They're my best friends to this day, most of them. Um, my friend Casey, who played Tessie, lives in the city. She still does theater as well, still does film stuff. So it was it was great to have other kids there because even even in the school setting, when we did school on the road, it, it, it felt more like an actual classroom than if I was just by myself, you know? And obviously you have to do quite a bit of press when you're going from city to city. Are there experiences that really stick out at you of like, oh, I did this weird morning talk show and this, you know, are there things that, that jump out of your memory? Here's, here's another thing about that classic Pat moment. Um, I started doing the press in the beginning of the tour and it was really, really early in the morning. Then I was going to school and then I was doing the show. And my mom said, no, no, ma'am. She said, this child is going to get sick. She needs her rest in the morning. She's not doing press. Um, have the orphans do it. They'll have fun. And that's what ended up happening. I ended up not doing any of the press and sleeping in and getting my rest after the show um, until MSG came along. And they were like, you got to do the press. It's Good Morning America. It's it's today's show. You have to do this stuff. So I was getting up legitimately at three in the morning to get in a cab, to sit there for a few hours uh, and then rehearse and then go backstage for a couple hours. And then finally I performed at like 9 a.m. or something. Jeez. And lo and behold, I got sick as a dog. I, for most of Madison Square Garden, I was going to a voice doctor to give me medicine because there were some shows where I was squeaking out the notes. So if you saw me at MSG, I apologize. How hard is it for you, just in general, as a kid to feel like I have to call out, I cannot do the show? Um, it's not something most kids understand how to wrap their brain around because they don't have to call in sick to work when you're 10. So what... How, what goes through your head when you're like, I cannot do the show, but I'm 11 years old and I don't want to let this other little girl go on because in the history of Annie, that's been a really scary thing. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was definitely a feeling of letting myself down more than anything because I had not called out for a single show in the course of almost two years at that point. Wow. And I was like, this is, I was like anybody else in that situation. I was like, this is my job. I want to be able to do my job. This is what I get paid to do. So it was, it was hard on me mentally for myself. 
And Kathy Lee Gifford was the star of uh, your production with you playing Miss Hannigan at Madison Square Garden. She had not been on tour with you, I'm assuming. So she came in for the MSG run. Sweetest lady ever. Yeah, she came in just for that. We rehearsed with her. She was she was so on top of it. She was gung-ho and ready to go. And the sweetest lady. When I was sick that entire time, she brought me throat coat every single time. But the sweetest lady, but she would bring it on literally two seconds before I had to run on stage and yell at the orphans. So I would take one sip and like pass it back to her. And it's the thought that counts, but she would literally bring it to me. And I knew she would be coming and I'd be so nervous. I'd be like, Kathy Lee Gifford, I can't take this tea from you right now. I have to make an entrance, but thanks. (laughs) Um, I love that Kathy Lee story. Um, And Mackenzie Phillips was in that tour as well. She was on the first year. Yes. Okay. What was it like working with her? She was honestly like a a second mom to all of us. She had that motherly spirit and she was really, really cool. I didn't even know who she was, honestly, because I was really young and why would I know that? Um, But she was one of the kindest adults to us ever. I mean, everyone was kind, but she actually made an effort to hang out with the kids, which isn't always the first move with adults working with kids, you know? I love it. Um... She, I just was like always weirdly obsessed with her as a kid. I was like, that woman seems so cool. Um, and then I was like, oh, she's in this Annie tour. Um, but she didn't do it at Madison Square Garden. She just did it that first year, right? Yes. How many of you guys transitioned into the second year of the tour? Um, of the kids, anyway. It was, it was just, just me. Wow. Maybe one other girl. Yes, it was one other girl. And then she ended up, she went from Molly to Duffy the second year, I think. And then she ended up being Annie later down the line. Wild. So you guys also made a cast recording of that 30th anniversary production, yeah? We did. And it was, listen, it was a few years after. We're, we're here for the tea, Marissa. <laughs> it was a few years after I had played the role. So at this point, I'm about 14 and um, 13, 14 and no 13 or 14 year old has business belting that score up there. Your voice just begins to change. It just does. And so I still kind of had the muscle memory from it, but it was, it was just not the same. It didn't feel the same. Um, I was trying to pump it out for them and you know, they got what they got, but isn't my proudest work? Uh, Probably not. Well, it's still so exciting to be on an Annie cast album when there are like, you know, three of them um, to, you know, sort of have a uh, a story that lives on as like you can always go back and listen to you as Annie, which is not something most people can say who've played the part. Yeah, I'd rather listen to a bootleg. Got it. All right. We got it. What do you remember most about that Madison Square Garden production? It was just so huge. And I remember taking my family. My niece was really young then. And uh, we all went. And you were really, even though I know that you always say, I'm sorry if you saw me at Madison Square Garden, you were so spectacular in this part. I remember seeing you on the Today Show. And I was like, this girl is Annie. Sometimes they get it wrong. And sometimes they get it very right. And I feel like they got it very right with you. But what do you remember about that Madison Square Garden experience? The thing I remember most, if you want the real tea, always is is the theater was massive. And the first thing I noticed when I went to the sound check was that there was no aisle down the middle. So there was about it felt like 50 to 100 seats just across. So people were like if they had the middle seat, 
and they were late. They were inching across maybe 40 people to sit down in their seat. And I have to tell you, I was so glad that I had done the show for so long and that it was just second nature to me because the amount of distractions in the audience, I mean, just kids, it was like I was at the circus. It was kids screaming their heads off. It was, there were literally people, Mark, hawking like cotton candy and popcorn across the aisles. It was... It was something else, let me tell you. It's very wild to see a musical there. I just saw We Will Rock You there, and I was like, does this count as a show? Like, it just was, it's so wild to be in that huge of a space and to have, you know, beers in your hand and people drunk. And I mean, not that they were wasted at Annie, but probably. Um, And then, you know, it's like that Penn Station crowd. It's like they get in off the Long Island Railroad and go right to see Annie or We Will Rock You or whatever, Elf or whatever's playing there. Um, And Grinch played there for years. It's just like a very odd non-theatrical experience yeah always so curious what it's like yeah and if there was a quiet moment there was a kid like screaming or there was someone hacking up along it was it was it was hilarious to to a point now for all the annie like revivals and these other events they like towed out all the annies which you're sort of part of what kind of things have you gotten to do because you are you're a real annie well most of the things are, are just, you know, reunions and stuff like that, where they want to bring everybody together and, and talk about their different experiences. But that's pretty much like the only thing that I've ever really got gotten to do from it, which is cool. But that's pretty much it. Were you invited to that revival opening, this last one? Oh, yeah, I was invited to that. I did get to, yeah, they, I don't think they interviewed me or anything, but it's I did possible get to- you blocked it out, but <laughs> shady. Um, I mean, I'm going to be a little shady about that particular production of Annie because it's just like, it's like a shame on Annie, like that, that, that musical is perfect. So it doesn't require anyone's dark interpretation of it, but that's, I'm saying it so you don't have to. I don't, I don't truly remember it. I think they stuck me up in the rafters, to be honest. So. How kind. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Kind of them. Thank you so much. Please, you're in row J of the balcony. Um, all right. So moving on past Annie, which, you know, I think is the coolest thing as a kid to get to do. Every little girl dreams of playing Annie and you got to do it in a really major way. How do you go back to regular life after that? Um, it was definitely a transition. I remember them. I, I had a short little red bob cut the whole time. And, you know, that's not kind of the look you want to sport going back into seventh grade. Not cool at all. So I begged them. It was like the last two months of the tour. And I was like, please, please don't let me cut my hair. Just let it, you know, get to my shoulders a little bit. Like, we'll make it work. And literally two weeks before I was supposed to go back to school or like something like that, they were like, we have to chop it. And they chopped it. And it was like the shortest it had ever, ever been. And I went back to school and had this mushroom cut. I was like, all the boys are going to just... Lose so they're going to go crazy. Um, what did you like start doing school theater? What happens or you're just auditioning for big things? What happens after that when you have that kind of momentum? Well, um, pretty much I, I had been signed with my with my old agent at that point and they they were consistently getting me auditions. I did, you know, I think right after Annie, I did a play at the Cherry Lane Theater. Um, it was called Training Wisteria by Molly Smith Metzler. And that was my first straight play, and I got to do, got to have that experience, which was awesome. Um, just kept auditioning, readings, that sort of 
you know, the hustle. And then my eighth grade year, uh, the audition for Shrek came along, but it wasn't just the Broadway production. So essentially what ended up happening was they, my agents reached out to me and they said, hey, they want to audition a, a few girls for this concert that they're having at Sardi's uh, for investors and producers for this new Shrek musical they're doing. And there's, you know, a young Fiona and a teen Fiona, and they want to do the song I Know It's Today and a few other songs for, for the investors. So I ended up going to that audition. And Mark Tuminelli, I think, yep, you were the one who helped me book that show because I came to you for a, some kind of rep thing. I used to do these coaching days where I would see 20 kids in a day and give them new songs when they left. Um, Genius. Bring that back yes. because you- I'm kind of doing it now just on Zoom, but yes. <laughs> you gave me Holding Out for a Hero. Good song and- for a Shrek audition. <laughs> But it was before Shrek even, like, came about, I think. Like, you were just like, this would sound good on you. Like, whale. And um, and then this Shrek came along, and I was like, this is in Shrek 2. This is perfect, and they want someone who can belt like Sutton Foster. So it was me and, like, a few other of, like, the, the Broadway kids at that time, whatever. And I went in, and... I sang that and they also gave me the I Know It's Today song, but they didn't have a time signature on it when they gave me the sheet music. This is how new the musical was at this point. So my voice, my other voice teacher had played it for me so fast. So I had learned this song like blah, 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 poison apple, boring, boring, evil queen, like I had learned this song so fast and I got in there and the pianist said, like so much slower than I had learned it. And I was like, well, at least I know the lyrics really, really well. And I ended up doing really well. And I ended up getting to do that little show at Sardi's and meeting Sutton and everything. And again, classic Pat, she was like, Marissa, don't get your hopes up. (laughs) She was like, just because you did this concert doesn't mean they're going to offer you, um, offer you the role. And they ended up offering me the role without another audition after that. So that you happened. You went out of town first before Broadway, yeah? Yeah, that ended up happening uh, my freshman year of high school. So going to my freshman year, I went out to Seattle that summer and we teched the show. We worked out the kinks, what have you. And then we came back into the city and then I think we opened in December. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, was that role different? Did it did it morph between Seattle and Broadway? Was it a bigger role? Because it was just like a wild thing to have these kids that were really in one point five scene of the of a two and a half hour musical. Totally. From what I heard from some of the adults who had been with it from the beginning, um, Teen Fiona was actually the sugar plum fairy at first, but whoever, apparently whoever was playing the, the role in the readings before me, who I think was maybe older than me, she wasn't showing up to rehearsal. She was also kind of a upcoming teen actor. And apparently she wasn't showing up to the rehearsal. And they were like, what? We have to, she can't be the sugar plum fairy then. Like she, she has to just do the teen Fiona part and have that be it. So that's kind of how that came about. And then they made me in Seattle, they made me this beautiful costume um, for Big Bright Beautiful World, which was, um, which was still the opening number, but it used to be this whole big dance number of all these festive villagers dancing around and having a great time and Shrek comes through and we pick on him and all this stuff. And it was a really, really cool number. It was actually one of my favorite numbers in the show, but you know, that got scrapped because that's what happens, unfortunately. So I used to have this fun, like little dance part as a festive villager that I got to do. And eventually everyone's parts kind of got cut down and down and down. And so we ended up having just a short feature in the beginning of the show and then doing this I Know It's Today song. And truth be told, I think the only reason we really got kept in the show is because that song is an amazing flippin' song. Yeah, I mean, it's it was for many years the most sung song at Broadway Workshop. It's kind of calmed down since then. But uh, it is just, it feels like that is the song people gravitate to. And then you guys, you did that also on the Today Show, yeah? Yeah, we did. Because I remember that being like, oh, this song is great. This show's going to be everything. Um, so it, it would have been impossible to cut that song out. Absolutely. It, I it's I think it's the best song in the show. Um, and I think that was the main reason they were like, we're keeping these kids in it. I mean, they could have they could have just put one of the adults um, in it, I guess. But they'd be crushing dreams. How long did you do Shrek on Broadway? I did it for pretty much the almost the entire duration of the run. So it ran for a little bit over a year. It ran for like a year and three months. And I did about a year of it. And then by that point, I was like, I want to be a normal person and a normal high schooler. And I also was getting too tall and had boobs. So um, it was it was time for me to go. It was time to go. Um, yeah. And did they film? Did you come back for the filming or did they film it while you were still in the show? Yeah, I came back for the filming, which was just so crazy. You know what I mean? Um, that stuff happens a lot where where you have to come back and do things like the Annie recording. And it's a really surreal feeling, but you kind of just click back into it. So, so they decided they were going to film the show for future, what DVD release. And they said, would you come back and, and play your part? Yep. That's essentially, that's essentially what happened. I don't think at that time we knew it was for Netflix. We just knew that it was being very professionally filmed, like not just from the back of the house. So I had a camera, you know, swinging in my face on a big, you know, thing. So it was, we knew, we knew wherever it was going to be released, it was going to look legit. 
Yeah. Have you watched it recently? Actually, I have because my boyfriend had never seen it. He told me that he came into the city. It was for some choir thing or something. And his parents were like, you can see this show or Shrek. And Steven, being a teenager, was like, I don't want to see Shrek. So he never saw his future girlfriend. So now he, at least he lives on. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And you guys also made a fabulous cast recording, which has done very, very well. Um, What was the experience of making that? It was awesome. Um, the The coolest part, uh, the one of the memories I hold most dear is being able to hear it for the first time. When you do one of these things, they pretty much have everyone come into the studio or where it was recorded, and you sit in a giant circle with your whole cast, and you just kind of kumbaya and sing all the songs under your breath and listen to the recording, the cast recording, as as a company. And it's just it's just one of those moments that. If I never do anything again, it's just one of those moments that I will always hold dear to my dear to my heart. It's very cool. So after Shrek, you were in tenth grade. Is that when you did Little Mermaid with me? Is it right after that? It might have been. I think so. That sounds right. And, yeah, I'm sure that was a very informative experience in your in your youth. <laughs> Honestly, I loved I loved working with you because you always treated me like an adult, which is what I always wanted to be when I was like a young actor. I did, even though I was playing these roles and I was on Broadway, I was still being treated as a kid and I hated that. And you always were so genuine and funny and gave it to me straight. And I loved that. I loved, I loved feeling like an an adult professional person when I worked with you. Well, I loved having you with me. Um, So we do these shows, you go through the rest of high school. How hard is it to go through high school after having these kinds of experiences where you are, you know, a working actor and the kids around you, the theater kids or whatever, probably, you know, don't, you know, have that same sort of experience. What's the, what's the rest of high school like for you? Well, there were no theater kids, truly. There were no actual theater kids in my high school, everyone played lacrosse and wore their skinny jeans tucked into their Ugg boots with their North Face. (laughs) And I did not have my tribe in high school. And, you know, I bounced around from friend group to friend group. And, um, you know, I I, kind of just tried to fit in. And I wish I never would have done that. I wish I would have just been my own person and did the things that I liked to do. Um, Because it, it, I just felt like I wasted so much time trying to be like everybody else. Um, But then, you know, when I had my theater friends, that was the time that I got to let go and be myself. And they were all, you know, not inside my high school. But yeah, I think a lot of people, I don't think I was judged, but I think a lot of people thought that maybe I thought I was better than them. Well, you were better than them. (laughs) The reason why they thought it is because it's true. Uh. Yeah, and I think I think maybe some people were scared of me for that for that purpose, um, and that definitely became more prominent after my sophomore year when I started doing film, and I did Peace, Love, and Misunderstanding, and it was this movie that was going to be released, and Jane Fonda was in it, and people were talking about it, and that that also didn't didn't help. <laughs> 
Um, was that something you wanted to do actively? Where like, I want to do a movie. I want to do TV series. Now that I've done, you know, these two big Broadway things. What, yeah. Was that the thought? At that time. Um, and it still is. I mean, that is what I am shooting for now. I was like, oh, I think... I think I really, really, really want to be an actor. Like singing kind of stresses me out. Um, and when that came about, when that audition came about, it was such a small chance that I was going to get it. But I was like, I feel like I'm an actor in my bones. I was like, this is what comes most naturally to me. I never feel nervous to act like I feel nervous to sing. And I I booked it. Um the director, my agents told me at the time that the director was getting calls from other agents. Like, you can't cast this girl, um, Marissa, because she's, she's an unknown. Like, what has she done? Like, she's, she's, she's just a Broadway girl. Like, you need to cast my client because they've done this and that. And Bruce was like, nope, I'm sticking with her. She's right for the part. Um, and it wasn't just a, a little bit nothing part. I had multiple scenes. I was a flushed out character. I was the love interest of um, the the lead son in in the in the movie, and I had never been happier than when I got to be on that on that set. It was it it felt completely right. Like it felt like this is where I want to be. This is where I should be. This feels really, really awesome. So you know you want to do this thing for the rest of your life, that it's not, I'm a kid, now I'm going to be a lawyer. So what, how'd you make your college decision? We know you went to pay, well, I know you went to pay, so I don't know what anyone else knows. Yeah. But um, how was that making that decision for you of like, I don't want to go away, I want to stay in the city? Talk to us a little about your college process. Well, I've, uh, if you know me, you know, I have like the worst FOMO ever. So I was like, I'm not going to school out, out of state. I, I won't do it. So I only uh, applied to New York City schools, um, so NYU, Marymount, Pace. I was like, I'm, I'm staying in the city. And I ended up uh, getting into a good amount of them, except NYU, because <laughs> I don't have those grades. And it's I ended like up- a billion dollars to go there. Yeah, exactly. Like, everyone who tells me they're going to NYU, I'm like, oof, that's- yeah. That was a pipe dream. Yeah, for me. it's gonna hurt. <laughs> Keep going. Um, <laughs> so I ended up going to Pace, which honestly is a private school, so it's not that much cheaper. But I got scholarship there, um, and it was it was a great decision for me. It was exactly a good mix between because it was a real university. I got a BFA, so I took normal people classes like math and English, and then I also did my uh, theater and arts classes. So it made me feel like a more well-rounded human being. Is it tricky to go to a program like that and get a BFA when you have a career? I mean, 90% of the people in your class had probably never booked a professional job. And here you are, you know, being on cast albums and videos of Broadway shows. Is there is there a level of uncomfortability that comes out of that? For me, there wasn't at all because... Really, I've always been someone who is like, I could always be better and I always have something else to learn. That has just always been my nature. And I don't think I'm ab above anything. So I really, I believe school is what you put into it. I don't care what program you go to. If you're not giving it 100% of your energy, then you're not going to get 100% out of it. And I gave every performance, every thing I did a hundred percent. And I, I had a really good 
I had a really good experience. I got to do a lot of cool shows. They weren't, you know, I didn't get to do Dot and Sunday in the Park, but we always had Pace New Musicals, which is this thing Pace does where they bring musicals that are being developed in the outside world into our school and we get to develop them um, and play the characters and create these characters. And I got to do that a bunch, which was one of the best parts about Pace. Um, So yeah. And you're now you're doing like focusing on film and TV. You just did an episode of the good fight. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? It was honestly a whirlwind. You have to wake up so early. They pick you up in a car, you go, your scene happens in the blink of an eye. The crazy thing, the one crazy thing I will say about TV and film that I think shocked me and honestly will probably shock most theater kids is that you really don't, you really have to believe in yourself because you shoot the scene, nobody says a word. You don't get applause. You don't get a good, great job. It's just like, you really have to be like, I was connected to that scene and I did well because they're like, okay, great. We're moving on. It is so quick that you you don't get any accolades. There's no applause. There's nothing like that. And it can be a little jarring because you're like, oh my God, like, did I do that scene well enough? Or should I have tried it a different way? Or now it's, now we're moving on and I'm never going to get to go back to it again. Um, so that's, that's the thing with TV and film that you kind of have to have to get used to, but like let go and just do it and move on with your, exactly, exactly. Um, but that's what first at first, what scared me, but now I absolutely love that feeling because it's just the validation musical theater thing just drives me crazy a little bit. Well, it's just like a totally different world. And there's, you know, there's, there's so there, it's just wildly different. I mean, there might as well be two totally different industries and they kind of are, but acting for film and TV versus doing a musical is just like, they're two different worlds. Totally. Um, So before we get to our quick fire questions, you mentioned your mom a lot and it sounds like your mom really advocated for you. We have so many parents that listen to this that I think it's really important to talk about. You came out of this a really well-rounded, smart, um, caring and talented young person who, although the business is hard and it chews you up and spits you out a little bit, you seem to have a really good sense of who you are and what you want to do and what's important to you. How do you feel like your mom, Pat, sort of helped guide all of this so that you could be a successful adult in the business? She she really was my biggest supporter. She really believed in me till this day she does. Um, and I guess I haven't thought about it in so long, but now that I'm an adult and, and, you know, go to these auditions on my own, obviously, and stuff, but um, just really believing uh, that I could do it. And also hearing me out when I was like, you know what, I kind of want to be a normal person for a little bit in those moments, never, never pushing me to do anything that didn't feel right, is really, really important. Just you want you want your kid to be well rounded, you don't, at the end of the day, jobs don't make you who you are gigs don't make you who you are. It's the the moments that you connect with people and you find other things besides theater that you enjoy. And it's about making a well-rounded person, not because that will make a well-rounded artist, period. 
And she always advocated for you in a really great way, I felt like, which she was stern about it, but she, you know, she knew what she was going to let fly and what she wasn't. And I think it's a really great thing for parents to have a really clear um, understanding of what they want for their kid and what they don't want for their kid. And I think it's so easy for a parent to just want to say yes, because they want their their child to have every opportunity versus saying this is not great for her and this is really great for her. And back to what you were saying about getting to sleep in on that tour, sure that changed the entire experience because you could enjoy it and that you weren't exhausted and you weren't, and you know, there is a toughness that is required because it's not you, but you have to advocate for someone else. It's a very tricky thing to be a stage mom. Yeah. Um, She had great self-awareness and she, she knew in her heart of hearts what was right. And she didn't have the slightest hint of doubt. She knew that what she was asking for was not too much and that everyone would benefit. So, yeah. So, Marissa, what are we doing now? Where do we go from here with all of these incredible experiences? And now you're an adult in the world. What what happens next? My next stop is uh, Los Angeles, California. I'm really excited As soon as this, you know, we were actually supposed to move out there this summer, but plot twist, um, doesn't look like that'll be happening, but (laughs) eventually, eventually I will, I will live that dream. And it's just, I've lived in New York my whole life, as you know, and I even, it's not even just to go out there and try to do film and TV. It's also because I've never lived somewhere else. As I talked about, I never went out of town for school. And I just really want to try a different way of life and meet new friends and meet new people and have have a different life kind of. And whatever comes along with that will come along with that. But hopefully it's TV and film stuff because that's where my heart really lies right now. Well, I'm sure that will happen for you because you truly are like so dynamic and special. And I hope and I know all those things will happen for you. So I can't wait for you to get out there to do do the dream, man. Thank you. All right. We are going to do some Broadway Workshop quick fire questions. This is a I'm list. I'm kind of nervous. I'm I know you should be a little nervous. This is a list <laughs> of questions that have been put together by a team of students. Let's see what we got. All right. Here we go. First word that comes to your mind when I say Andrea McArdle. Passionate. Favorite holiday. Halloween. First Broadway show you saw. Beauty and the Beast. Did you have braces? No. If you had a yacht, what would you call it? Um, the Parlay Francais. Maybe far away or maybe real nearby? <laughs> <laughs> maybe far away. Um, what would your superhero power be? Um, uh, reading minds. Worst job that you've ever had? Worst job. It could be stage or non-stage. I don't know. Retail. One word to describe Kathy Lee Gifford. You kind of did that, but give me another one. Kind. Are you into true crime? Am I into true crime? Sure. Why not? Is there any sort of case that you're obsessed with in the true crime world? (sighs) No, I'm sorry. It's okay. Then you're not really into true crime. Um, (laughs) Who (laughs) is your favorite Disney princess? Favorite Disney princess is mm, Mulan. What does, oh my God, that is like a current theme with a lot of our guests. Um, what Disney prince would you like to smooch with? Um, ooh, 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 uh, uh, the, the guy from The Princess and the Frog. Great. First thing you think of when I say legally blonde. 
Um, oh, very hard to do. It's so hard. It's the hardest show I, I've ever done. I don't. I don't know about anyone else. It um, was the craziest thing I've ever done. Craziest. Um, but you were brilliant. Um, what store do you shop in most? The store that I shop in most is probably Lululemon. What, what do you think Shrek meat tastes like? I can't even get it out. It's so <laughs> funny. Um, uh, eyeballs, slime. I don't know. Okay. Can you name one TLC show? Oh God, Little People, Big World. Okay. Would you let your kids audition for the 50th anniversary tour of Annie? Sure, go for it. What role would you like to see Sutton Foster play? Ooh, a dot. In Sunday. Do you know any songs in MAME? <laughs> um, give, give me a little preview. Let me see if I can maybe figure. No, I don't. Well, you do because everyone knows needs a little Christmas, but then they forget that it's for MAME, but it's fine. Okay. Um, it just like lets us know your musical theaterness if you know any songs in MAME. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. <laughs> what do you want on your bagel? Uh, scallion cream cheese. Your go-to recording or album on a car trip. Ooh, you should be here, Kaylani. Best opening night gift ever. Oh, definitely. iPod Nano, green iPod Nano when they first came out uh, for Shrek opening oh night. Oh my God, that's a good one. Um, have yeah, you auditioned for Mean Girls? I have not. All right. I think I could see that happening, but all right. Um, I was I was told I wasn't plastic enough. That's what I was right, told. Whatever. Don't listen to anyone, <laughs> Marissa. Um, I want blank to. I want blank movie to be a musical. Ooh, ooh. Um, um. I am so bad at these. Normal people, actually. It's a right. TV show, but I'm good. actually Lady Bird. All right. What role should Patty Lapone play in Shrek? <laughs> She should honestly play the witch. Um, it's not large enough for her. What did, uh, did you watch Glee? It's what you make it. It's what you make it. Did you watch Glee? Oh, yeah. I went to the concert at Radio City. Huge okay. Glee fan. What is your favorite app on your phone? Instagram. First audition song that you remember? If My Friends Could See Me Now. Oh, good choice. Um, okay, <laughs> fill in the blank. The food at Sardi's is... Adequate. <laughs> Weirdest experience as a child star? Um, working with a dog. Okay. Do you get recognized at auditions? Yes. <laughs> um, do you watch any shows on Bravo? I, I don't. Could you name two Real Housewives of any series, any season? Absolutely not. Marissa, this is very upsetting <laughs> to me. Um, name a musical that you are okay with never seeing again. Oh, I was in it, but maybe American Idiot. Okay. I, I'm with you there. Um, <laughs> did you, um, I saw you in American Idiot. You were great. I just don't understand nice. that show. I'm too old. Um, yeah, I don't get it either. And I okay, was in it. Cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. Um, what am I up to? Are, uh, have you ever gotten food poisoning? Yes. Was it from Kodama? <laughs> No, it was from Uncooked Chicken Tenders. Gross. Um, if you yeah. can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Oh, um, hmm, hmm. Maybe Hello, Dolly. Have you ever left a show at intermission? Yes. Same. When was the last time you sang Tomorrow? The last time I sang Tomorrow? 
oh jeez, um, over five years ago. All right. <laughs> Maybe more. Do you know any songs from Annie Warbucks? Oh my god, I used to love Annie Warbucks. I I couldn't tell you a song now, but there I used to listen to that soundtrack all the time. Listen, we'll do it in your cabaret. Um, what <laughs> what movie could you watch over and over again? Mean Girls. What is the weirdest gift you ever received at the stage door or from a fan? Oh, I don't think that was another Pat moment. I don't think she really, I think I got a lot of like offers of baked goods and no, we never not, took them. No, do not take them. Also, stage door was like not what it is now, like even five years ago. Um, it's a That's wild, true. it's become a wild situation. It's a wild culture. I've Where, been, yeah. I've picked up some of my friends yes. and uh, it's intense. It's intense. Um, just everyone go home after the show. Um, if you could only listen to one Broadway cast recording, what would it be? And I know you're not like a super Broadway B, but. Oh, I, I please. Gypsy. Great. Oh, so good. All right. Last question. One thing you wish people knew about you. One thing I wish people knew about me. Um, I love, I, I love fashion. Like I love, I I, I if I wasn't in theater, I would be doing something in fashion. Love that. Um, Marissa, tell the people where they can find you and follow you and find out all things Marissa O'Donnell. Yeah, you can follow me. I really, I pretty much only use Instagram. So it's, it's Marissa O'Donnell on Instagram. And that's pretty much the only platform I, I truly use these days. That's good. That's good enough. Marissa, it was such a dream to get to chat with you. You're so smart and I'm so excited to see what's next for you. And I can't wait to, uh, you know, sort of watch you get, you know, star rising and you're so brilliant. And thank you so much for doing this today. Thanks, Mark. It was so fun. Love it. Um, please remember to subscribe to the Little Me podcast, rate and review it, and uh, follow me on Instagram and all those things. And Marissa, again, I will see you soon. Stay safe. Wash your hands, people. And that's all the good stuff. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Mark. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor, and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.